This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Jamie and I have something different planned today. He's at Lightning underscore round. I am at Garrett Sisti. And right before we get into it, let's shout out the people who commiserate with us. The donors. So the first donation came from a, fun, a familiar name, Stephen Pisano, with a very generous do- donation. So thank you, Stephen. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the support. Thank you for listening to the show and thanking you for contributing to what used to be the Beer Fund and is now the excessive piss drunk hard liquor fund, thanks to the play of our Chargers recently. Yes, thank you, Stephen. The next donation comes from Samuel Gelber. Hopefully enough for two six-packs. Appreciate that, Sam. I will drink it all right now by myself. And the second donation came from Dane Grippo, which is a new name. So thank you, Dane. And Dane says, holy fuck, you guys need some beer money after that game. Wow. Anyways, big fan. Been listening for a few years now. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Dane. Thank you for the nice words. Thank you for don- for the donation, and once again, just a reminder, the Beer Fund is now the excessive piss-drunk hard liquor fund. So thank you, Anthony Lynn, Gus Bradley, Ken Wisenhunt, and the Los Angeles Chargers for helping to change the name of what used to be the Beer Fund. We've got two more here. Anthony Weber says, love the podcast. You guys need drinks just as much as I do after that game. Cheers. Appreciate it, Anthony. I think we all do, collectively, as Charger fans. Need more drinks. And lastly, Ben Jacobson. Just read your guys' game tweets. Here's a dollar for everyone. Please don't quit. Well, good thing Jamie tweeted like 57 times. So we appreciate that. And I tweeted like twice. So uh, it all added up, didn't it? So thank you, Ben. (laughs) Appreciate it. Ben, Steven, Sam, Dane, and Anthony. Thank you for your contributions. Sorry we didn't get to any of your questions. We're going to go in a different direction today. We struggled to come up with something for this week's show. I even asked you guys on Twitter. I was like, hey, what do you guys want to do? What do you want to talk about? I even brought up breaking down the Steelers' loss, and I was bombarded with negativity. Someone just simply wrote, fuck you, which kind of sums up what people want in terms of a recap. But we agree. Sunday night was atrocious. That loss in primetime was just too much to relive. So we're not going to go and break down that game. That was tough. So here's what we're going to do today. Jamie and I are going to just pick a topic to rant about. I'll give him 10 to 15 minutes to just vent about something, then I'll go. There's no need for a discussion. We're just going to let it rip. Whatever the topic is, I picked one. He's going to pick one. I don't know what he's going to pick. He doesn't know what I'm going to pick. We're just going to let it go today. I won't interrupt. He won't interrupt me. We're just going to do it. So we'll let Jamie start, then I'll go, and that'll be it. So Jamie, what is on your mind? Boys and girls, the special word for today is incompetence. The Webster's Dictionary defines incompetence as the inability to do something successfully. We would also define incompetence as the state or fact of sucking big fat donkey dick at the one thing you get paid hundreds of thousands or in this case millions of dollars to do. A good example of this, a sample sentence for incompetence, if you wanted to use it in a sentence. The Los Angeles Chargers offensive line is incompetent because they probably couldn't block my seven or four-year-old daughters. Incompetent. Now that we're on the subject of incompetence, let's talk a little bit about the Chargers offensive game plan. 
going into a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, against a third-string quarterback, instead of trying to open up the game a little bit, maybe controlling the middle of the field with their star tight end and their six foot five first-round wide receiver Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, who owns the middle of the field on slants and dig routes and other and crossing routes and things of that nature, the Chargers decided to start five of six drives running the ball up the middle with either Melvin Gordon or Austin Eckler on first down. In fact, they had 11 first down runs in the first half, first and second down runs, excuse me, in the first half and in the first drive of the second half of that game. A game which, by the way, they trailed 14-0 almost immediately and trailed 21-0 at halftime. That is a really good example of incompetent. They didn't want to get the ball in Rivers' hands, and when they did, it was seven-step drops looking to push the ball deep down the field instead of getting the ball out quickly and, oh, I don't know, maybe calling a handful of screen plays to their running backs to get the ball out quickly and make those defensive linemen stop and think about screen plays and having, having to defend the running backs out of the backfield on a more consistent basis. They waited until they were down 24 to 3 to open the offense up. The Chargers also had basically no attempts to get Eckler the ball in space. He only had eight touches in that entire game and a game they trailed. And it wasn't until they started throwing the ball to him a little bit in the middle of the field that they started moving the ball in the second half. The Chargers also insisted on throwing the ball to Travis Benjamin, the one guy who we know has stone hands is terrified of contact, and basically is incapable of making plays, and they featured him in the red zone. We also were not prepped for A-gap blitzes. You would think that a coaching staff going into this game, knowing that they were without their star center, Mike Pouncey, might be ready for Blitzburg to bring A-gap blitzes up the middle to try to confuse and intimidate the middle of the Chargers line, which right now is being captained by Dan Feeney, who has very little experience at center. But no, they weren't prepared for that. They didn't expect that. They didn't see that coming. And the first turnover of the game, of course, came in the face of an A-gap blitz, which the Chargers did not diagnose, did not block, and Phillip Rivers was running for his life, made a bad swing pass behind Melvin Gordon, winds up being scooped on a fum- as a fumble and run in for a touchdown for the first score of the game. So ladies and gentlemen, Ken Wisenhunt is officially incompetent. And we didn't even talk about not getting the ball to Keenan Allen in key moments of the game. He basically wasn't involved for the entire first half and only had six targets for the entire game. That was their leading receiver and the leading receiver in the NFL going into last week. Now he's had two weeks in a row with minimal targets and minimal opportunities, and it sounds like he is pissed and looking for some explanation, just like the rest of us are. Once again, incompetent. Let's talk a little bit about the defense, shall we? That defense was not the least bit prepared for the screen game with James Conner. Not even a little bit. You'd think, coming into that game, realizing the Steelers are playing with their third-string quarterback, They're not going to want to take a whole lot of chances down the field. They're going to be looking to move the ball in small chunks underneath with safe, controlled throws and try to let Connor make plays in space. But the Chargers weren't ready for that. No, they tried to defend Connor with Denzel Perriman and Jatavis Brown and Roderick Teamer and 
father time himself, Thomas Davis. What was the result? Lots and lots of missed tackles. Lots and lots of big chunk plays in the passing game, a few big runs, and lots and lots of pain and embarrassment and humiliation for the for the second and third levels of that defense. They just were not at all prepared for James Conner, and that is incompetent. We also had no or at least very few pressure packages versus the third-string quarterback. There were no blitzes. There were no attempts to bring pressure up the middle to force him into bad decisions. There was very little pressure in general. They basically sat back and dared him to beat them, and surprise, surprise, he did. Also incompetent. Then you get to the players that they leaned on early in the game, and it wasn't until the middle of the game that we started seeing some of these guys rotate out of the game, and that is Thomas Davis, Roderick Teamer, and Denzel Perryman taking bad angles, getting picked, overrunning plays, lunging, arm tackling, missing tackles, just generally being bad and getting beat in space. There were very little adjustments, although we did start to see more of Kaiser White and uh, Drew Tranquil in the middle of that defense in nickel and dime packages, which was encouraging, but still way too much of Davis, way, way, way too much of Teamer, who should not be on the field at this point of his career, and way too much of Denzel Perriman. So that's something that needs to get fixed. That is another sign of incompetence. They continue to go with those same solutions and expect different results when it's pretty clear those guys are all liabilities. And we just didn't really see any creativity up front. There weren't a whole lot of stunts. There weren't a whole lot of twists. They basically relied on their defensive linemen to beat the Steelers' offensive line, which is among the best in the league, in one-on-one situations and double-team situations without any twists, any stunts, very many games up front. There was really no effort to create havoc and confuse people. It was just one-on-one coming from the same spot, trying the same thing over and over again with basically no results. Again, no adjustments, no attempts to create pressure, no attempts to confuse people. Just kept doing the same thing over and over again. That's the definition of of insanity and, in my opinion, the definition of incompetence. So that's it for the defense. Let's talk a little bit about the head coach, Anthony Lynn, who had two really, really bad game management decisions in that game. Uh, The first one came with 37 seconds remaining in the second quarter, at which point the Chargers were down 21-0. They're getting clobbered on their home field in the first half on prime time at home in a game they have to win. Uh, both to get back on track and to have any hope of staying in the hunt of a wild card race in the in the AFC. And with a fourth and six from the Pittsburgh 25-yard line on really their first successful drive of the second half that didn't involve a punt or a turnover, what do they do? They kick a field goal, a 43-yard field goal with what basically amounts to their third kicker of the season. Obviously, Michael Badgley hasn't kicked this year, but he'd be their number one kicker. Then you've got punter Ty Long, who was pretty successful as a kicker early in the year and has since been moved back to just punting and holding for the team. They go with Chase McLaughlin, who, of course, yanks the kick, misses it from 43 yards. So they try to turn a three-score game into a three-score game, miss the kick, leave themselves down 21, and go in at half having wasted what should have been a very successful drive because they didn't trust themselves to take a shot down the field. You know, they're 25 yards out. Even if they want to go for a touchdown at that point and try to throw the ball over the top, maybe go for a jump ball to Mike Williams, you've probably got a better chance of converting something there than you do with your third kicker, a guy you just picked up off the street. And you certainly have a better chance of climbing into the game if you're picking up a first down 
or trying to pick up the touchdown there instead of just settling for the field goal, which in my opinion just looks like trying to save face. Well, we've got three. We're back in this game. We got a chance to come back. No, show some balls, show some heart, show some belief. Even if Anthony Lynn doesn't believe in his offensive line, which quite frankly, I wouldn't blame him because as we said earlier, they are incompetent. You do at the very least want them to think that you believe in them and give them an opportunity to go out there and make a block and make a play. I would think you'd feel a hell of a lot better with the ball in Philip Rivers' hands in that key moment than you would coming off of Shane McLaughlin's foot. But no, they settled for the kick and they missed it and a kick that wouldn't have changed the game anyway because they still would have down, been down three scores leaves them still behind three scores and having wasted a successful drive. Great decision, Anthony. Thank you so much for that decision. Thank you so much for playing it safe there. We are all very glad that you decided to play it safe and go for the points, points that really didn't mean anything at that point as a field goal, instead of trying to put seven on the board and get the team back, really get the team back in the game. Then we have a similar situation with the team driving early in the fourth quarter. So at this point, they're down 24 nothing. So they're down four scores. Um, and they've had their, another successful drive, really their second uh, of the game. And it's a fourth and 14 from the 20. And you'd think they're desperate. They need points. They need to climb back in the game. They need to give themselves a chance. Maybe they'd ask Rivers to try to make a play down the field and tr- maybe... Tr- Again, throw a jump ball to Hunter Henry in the middle of the field. Throw a jump ball to Mike Williams. Try to make something happen and create a spark. Nope. They settle for a field goal. They turn a four-score game into a three-score game, at which point they still need three touchdowns. And basically the game was over. Even with a slight comeback at the end of the game, at that point, you know, they're they're running out of time. They've got 14 minutes to score three touchdowns, and there's very little chance they're coming back. And they basically decided that the game's over at that point. So two situations there for sure where I felt like Lynn had a chance to show some confidence in his group, had a chance to take a shot, take a chance, maybe gamble a little bit and get the team back in the game. And he instead pulled a Mike McCoy, put the visor back on and kicked a couple field goals when they really needed six. So real failures there in my, in my opinion. And then the big one at the end of the game, after going down and getting to within seven points, they're at 24, 17, They've got about a minute and a half left and three timeouts. And instead of kicking it deep, they decide to kick a low percentage onside kick. And they give the ball back to the Steelers on a short field. Of course, the Steelers don't do anything with it, but they are able to pin the Chargers deep after punting. And the Chargers find themselves in a spot where they have to go, I believe it was 98 yards in under a minute with no timeouts, which as we all know, very very slim chance of having that happen. Doesn't matter how good Rivers is, or Keenan is, or Mike Williams is, to go 98 yards or 90 plus yards anyway with no timeouts, and it's just very low chance. Very very low chance. So he put them in a bad spot. He basically created bad field position for them, even with a good defensive stop there. And Rivers throws up a pair that winds up being picked off. So I felt like Anthony Lynn. Looked like he was a little shell-shocked for a lot of that game. Didn't seem like he had a good grasp on situations. Didn't seem like he was managing the game particularly well and really made three in-game uh, game management decisions that really hurt the team and kind of spoke to his lack of confidence in the team and really kind of just felt like he just wanted to get it over with and get out of there. So lots of bad decisions and, again, just incompetent in my opinion. You know, I've been defending Anthony Lynn 
I think there are still some good elements to some of the things that he does, but I feel like we're right back to that bad culture that the Chargers had with Mike McCoy. I feel like we're right back to the poor game management. They're, the game plans are awful. Sometimes you wonder what they practiced all week going into the games. Uh, they're not getting Eckler involved enough. They're not getting Keenan involved enough, which is the hardest one to believe. Uh, you know, the screen game, which is a huge part of their offense and really keeps them going with chunk plays underneath, has been non-existent, particularly this week. It's like they don't know how to get guys involved. And now we see them, they're trying to split touch, uh, they're sp- trying to split snaps evenly with Eckler and Melvin Gordon. It seems like they're just trying to trade touches with Eckler and Melvin Gordon. It's not working. There's no creativity. They're not putting either guy in a, su- in a position to succeed, and the offense is struggling. It's really bogged the offense down. So lots of incompetence on offense, lots of incompetence on defense. I feel like if this team wants to make a change and they want to spark something, I feel like it's time to make some changes, a couple personnel changes and a couple coaching changes. They're obviously not going to fire Mike McCoy in the middle of the season, but what I would do at this point is I would fire Ken Wisenhunt and I would fire Gus Bradley. I would promote Ron Miles to be the, the defensive coordinator. I feel like he's one of the best defensive back coaches in the league and is long overdue for a, a promotion to coordinator. So I would hire him and give him a chance. I'd even be okay with having him and Giff Smith, the defensive line coach, uh, split coordinator duties just to kind of balance things out a little bit. And, I mean, really, who are we fooling? Ken Wisenhunt, he's the offensive coordinator technically, but Rivers is the one making all the calls anyway. So maybe if he Rivers didn't have to come to the line and change Wisenhunt's call every play, maybe they might snap the ball a little sooner. And maybe they might get into a little bit of a better rhythm early in games and score more points early in games. So let's stop the charade. Let's get let's get Wiz out of there. I really don't. It doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator is at this point because Rivers is calling the plays anyways. And let's get Milas in there as a defensive coordinator. See if we can spark something. See if we can get some changes and shock the system. And then I think a couple player decisions that need to be made, which they won't make, but they need to. I would make an examples out of Travis Benjamin and Thomas Davis. It's just time. So that's my rant. That's how I feel about the team at this point. Lots of incompetence. Time to make some changes. Time to make some bold changes to try to shake things up and hold players accountable and let people know that they can't just ride on, on what they did last year. Guys have to start making plays, and they have to start stepping up now. So that's my, that's my take on the Chargers at this point. So I made this comment on Twitter, and I wanted to expand on it. And I've got some time, so I'm just going to do it. It's just going to be a symposium on Travis Benjamin. Because Travis Benjamin is the human equivalent of a pet rock. Welcome to my TED Talk. The pet rock was a novelty gift. It was created by advertising executive Gary Dahl. Dahl was out with his friends one night. It was in the mid-70s. They had a conversation that ultimately turned to pets. They were talking about dogs and birds and cats and Specifically, the hassles of having to feed for them and care for them and how messy they are and how time-consuming they are. And Dahl jokingly bragged that he had a pet and it required no attention, no care of any kind because it was a rock. It went over well with his friends. He got a good laugh out of it and thought it was actually a pretty good idea. He spent the next two weeks writing up the pet rock training manual. It was a step-by-step guide about taking care of it, how to train your pet rock. He went to a builder's supply store He found a Rosarita Beachstone. It sold for a penny. He packed the stone in a box that kind of looked like a cardboard crate or like a pet carrying case 
and then he put the book inside of it. The pet rock was introduced at a gift show where the store, Neiman Marcus at the time, ordered 500 of them. After a news release showing Gary surrounded by boxes of his pet rocks, Newsweek did a story, and within a few months, he shipped tens of thousands of pet rocks every day. He even appeared on The Tonight Show twice. He marketed the hell out of these pet rocks. By Christmas that year, two and a half tons of rocks had been sold. Three-fourths of all the newspapers in America had run pet rock stories. A million rocks sold for three ninety-five dollars apiece. In just a few months, it made Gary Dahl an instant millionaire. Travis Jamal Benjamin was born on December 29th, 1989. He attended Glade Central High School in Belgrade, Florida, and played on the football team. He was the 21st-ranked wide receiver by ESPN and the 144th overall in the class of 2008. During the Muck Bowl in that same year, 2008, Benjamin went up against future NFL DB Janoris Jenkins and was able to even catch a touchdown pass in the Muck Bowl in 2008. Not only... Was Benjamin a star wide receiver in high school? He was part of the track team. He competed in both the 100 meters and the long jump. He attended the University of Miami and played four seasons for the Hurricanes between 2008 and 2011. Benjamin was also part of the Miami's indoor track team. Also competed on the outdoor track team, getting all ACC honors and placing fourth in the ACC championships in the 60 meters. Benjamin had his best year in college in 2010, where he caught 43 passes for 743 yards as a junior at Miami. He caught three touchdown passes, had a kick return for a touchdown, and a punt return for a touchdown that year. He, of course, attended the scouting combine in Indianapolis, where he's projected to be a third or fourth round pick. He was eventually selected 100th overall in the fourth round by the Cleveland Browns in the 2012 NFL Draft. He was the 15th wide receiver selected in 2012. Travis Benjamin played four seasons in Cleveland from the years 2012 to 2015. In 2016, Charger fans were introduced to Travis Benjamin, a wide receiver who caught 68 passes for 966 yards and five touchdowns and was a dynamic returner the year previous with the Browns. The Chargers signed him to four years of 24 million dollar deal in free agency travis benjamin and the pet rock have made millions and like its original purchase they have both depreciated in value in 2015 travis benjamin was an almost thousand yard receiver but with the chargers has gone from 677 receiving yards to 567 receiving yards to 186 receiving yards in 12 games last year and 30 total receiving yards in 2019 in five games, catching only six receptions on 16 targets. When you first got both, you were excited to see what was inside, to unwrap this gift, but ultimately they were both colossal failures. The pet rock was a marked-up beach stone that fooled millions into buying a worthless item. And same goes for Travis Benjamin. He was a marked-up wide receiver who fooled millions of fans and a dumb enough front office to buy a worthless item. Coincidentally, the Rosarita beach stone, which was the pet rock, is made of the same material as Travis Benjamin's hands. We saw those stone hands pop up Sunday night on a third-nine pass attempt. 
that ricocheted off those granite-filled gloves and brought it fourth down for the Chargers. In the first paragraph of item one in your Pet Rock owner's manual, it reads, Your new Pet Rock is a very sensitive pet and may be slightly traumatized from all the handling and shipping required in bringing the two of you together. Which are the exact words used when Travis Benjamin was shipped off to San Diego in 2016. He's sensitive to take anything resembling an ounce of contact and may be slightly traumatized, an effect lingering long after he was shipped out of Cleveland and further explains why Travis Benjamin wouldn't lay out for that deep ball Sunday night against the Steelers. He's been through a lot. And, like in the manual, Travis Benjamin also does a good job of playing dead, especially in moments when it matters for the Chargers. In the manual, it also tells you the pet rock is good at long-distance attacks, but all it really amounts to is you throwing it really far and nobody catching it on the other end. Like any time Rivers throws a deep pass to Benjamin, no one's on the other end to catch it. Dahl's next creation, released in time for Christmas a year later in 1976, was the original sand breeding kit. It allowed buyers to grow their own desert wasteland. Dahl's fads had run their course, and he was left with thousands of kits that had to be disposed of. The Chargers, now sitting in a wasteland in Carson, California, the L.A. fad had run its course, and Travis Benjamin is in need to be disposed of. There are too many parallels. Travis Benjamin is the human equivalent of a pet rock. Gary Dahl convinced millions of Americans to purchase an item they did not need. And it was something that almost everyone had free in their backyard. And Travis Benjamin has had everyone fooled for long enough. He's of no value, just like the pet rock. Travis Benjamin has hit rock bottom. Travis Benjamin is the human equivalent of a pet rock. Thank you. Next time, Conspiracy Theory Garrett gives his opinion on Melvin Gordon. Follow the money trail. Melvin Gordon's trying to get back at the Chargers for not giving him a raise by showing them what a player who doesn't deserve a raise looks like. Melvin Gordon was an inside job. Chargers are terrible and it's his fault. Lightningwars.com So that does it for us. A little mix-up of the Lightning Round podcast. I am at Garrett on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.